Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Is it ever okay for children to share the bed with their parents? Are you constantly being woken up during the night by your kids climbing into your bed or are they reluctant to sleep in their own room full stop? Well, Erica Hargaton from Babogue Sleep has some tips and tricks about how you can encourage your child to sleep on their own. Good morning to you, Erica. How are you? Good morning. Not too bad. Thankfully, we have some sunshine today, so that makes the day a little bit easier for everybody. Yes. So... Should parents ever allow their children to sleep in the same bed as them? I I feel in relation to this question, it can be really, really emotive for parents. Lots of parents want to bed share with their children. And if they do, absolutely fantastic, as long as they're doing it as safely as possible. Where you have independent sleep and parents are happy, so children sleeping in their own sleep environment and the family unit is functioning, then again, brilliant so happy family is what you aim for whatever works for the family that you have in front of you and does the advice change with age i mean i'm thinking you know at the very serious end of this the tragedy of cop death for example and the medical advice does seem to be pretty regularly updated on that you know to the point that people are saying well in cots there really shouldn't be anything at all but the baby and the baby grow and the cot itself absolutely the american academy of pediatrics is really the the best guideline when it comes to safe sleep guidelines for for babies and toddlers and there would be the absolute like it's black and white alone is the best place for your child to sleep so that you can avoid SIDS and the cases of SIDS, so sudden infant death syndrome, where is caught, indicates to cot death. So that is what parents can aim for. But a lot of parents do wish to bed share and co-sleep with their children. And if parents make that choice, and it is a choice and a decision, then they need to go and arm themselves with enough information to do it as safely as possible. When parents come to work with me, I would be gearing them towards independent sleep from a safety perspective. That would be what I would aim for. But equally, there's parents that are co-sleeping and they're doing it happily and as safely as possible. And that means that you've got a, a happy parent, happy, happy or maybe baby situation. And that's really what we need to focus in on rather than one side versus the other in terms of independent sleep. And, and Erica, does the age of the child matter? Not necessarily. I would really prefer to see independent sleep with small babies and toddlers where they're sleeping solo in their own sleep environment. They could be room sharing with a parent, so they could be in their cot in the room with the child. But it just means that the safety box is really, really ticked. What you find sometimes with children maybe that have been in a long-term co-sleeping situation with their parents, as they get a little bit older and maybe they're getting the opportunity to go on sleepovers and have like outside the home sleep situations, you know, aside from their parents, that might be a time frame to look at 
going towards independent sleep situations with your child, but maybe in consultation with your child. Because where there has been a long-term co-sleeping situation, it's all the child knows. They don't know anything else. So if you're transitioning to independent sleep, it needs to include the child and you need to put a plan in place to support the child into that transition. Because if you go from sleeping in a bed with your child to then expecting them to settle to sleep independently in their own bed, maybe in a different room, it's unrealistic. The child is going to be very frustrated. They'll express separation anxiety. And it's likely to result in a situation that's fraught, which is what parents want to avoid. They don't want that situation with their child. We're chatting to Erica Hargaton from Babog Sleep. Um, you know these parents you come across chatting from time to time, just talking casually, and they will tell you that their child sleeps all night, always has, in their own bed, in their own room. Don't know what you're talking about when you talk about six wake-ups mm-hmm. or any of that. And... Is that ever true? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, it I is. do wonder about this. <laughs> you can Google this statistic now afterwards, <laughs> but it would be guided that 25 to 50% of children born globally would experience sleep challenge. So that is a massive amount of children that will sleep really, really well. Now, I, I have three children and only got one that did that. She's my middle one. And uh, people ask me all the time, is there a correlation between girls versus boys? not that I can find but there are massive amounts of kids that sleep really really well um for lots and lots of reasons and then there are the others that really really is, is struggle and the parents struggle too there's a you know there's a terrible antipathy in the soul of parents who have this struggle for parents who will go oh it's absolutely grand and I sleep all night and it's all wonderful <laughs> And you're going, I think Is now, parents. Really <laughs> I know, and I had that with my first. I remember sitting at, at mommy and baby groups and listening <laughs> to those conversations. But I think that that has slightly changed now. Parents are a little bit more aware of who they might be speaking to and what challenges that parent might be you know, experiencing, we're way more open now about our challenges through parenthood, be that a mother or a father. So we tend to kind of be a little bit more kind of listening ear. What is this parent going through? And maybe what can I impart that might help the parent? Or would it be more helpful for me just to listen and not actually give any advice and just allow this parent to get it off their chest that they're struggling? I think we're a little bit more aware than we might have been maybe a decade ago. Okay. Um, well, I mean, a parent has been in touch with us, WhatsApped us, um, Eric on 0861239595, and obviously talking about a slightly older child here, but says, mm. this dilemma, how do we get our child to stay in their bed throughout the night and not run into our room in the middle of the night? We have to look at what we're doing when they come into the room. Is it literally lift the duvet up and they climb in? Well, then, if that is the case, there's a consistency around that. That's making the situation okay. 
if you're looking to make change, you don't have to just look at what's happening in the middle of the night. You have to look at what's happening during the day as well. You have to go back a bit. What time are they been put to bed? Is that suitable? Are we staying with them while they fall asleep in their own bed? If we are, well, then we maybe need to look at transitioning out of that because that could be actually a factor in why they're seeking us out again in the middle of the night because you're gone. And when you're gone, your brain goes looking for what was there. And if the parent is not there, well, then the signal is go looking for the parent. So we have to look at a little bit of change in creating a consistent place of sleep for the child. So the repetition around returning them to their own bed, maybe staying with them while they go back to sleep in their own bed, but really being consistent around that as a first step in changing what happens in the middle of the night. Now, that probably sounds to a parent who's struggling a little bit of ukuleles by the fireside. It's not. That change as a first step may bring some frustration for your child because it's change and kids don't like change. They don't like it. So it's good to have a conversation with the child if they're old enough. So if you have a school going child or a preschool going maybe child, you can frame it. You know, now it's time for you to learn to sleep independently in your own bed. I am going to support you with this. I'm going to stay with you while you fall asleep, but we're going to work towards you being able to go to sleep yourself. And we're going to have a goal at the end. That could be like, you know, maybe a trip, maybe to go somewhere, you know, depending on the budget of the parent, you know, maybe to go to, you know, uh, an amusement place, maybe to do something, okay? Or it could be as simple as, if you stay in your bed all night, you'll get a little something from the magic bag. And the magic bag inside it has little things that resonate with the child. So from one of my children, when I was going through a challenge like this, this was little fairy dolls that I picked up in the like one euro shop. It was really simple. And that hit home with her at that time when she was going through a challenge that was associated with potty training. Right. Really, it's around focusing in on the consistency and, piece. And and the, the difficulty of tiredness and exhaustion for the parents Absolutely. themselves is, is a huge part of this, isn't it? Massive. Massive. Because as well, parents, and usually in most cases, both parents are now getting up the following day to go to work. And it isn't even any easier for a parent who's a stay-at-home parent. They're still get doing a day's work within the house. We're exhausted now, too, because we're infiltrated by from all angles constantly at the moment. Our mental loads are spent. So it's often easier just to lift the duvet up and let them in. But if you do want to make change, you have to kind of go, I'm committed to this. I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to follow through with this because... Your change won't come in a day. You're going to need to be consistent, maybe for a number of weeks before you will see the change come with the child. Routine and change of routine in particular takes time with children. With younger children, you might see positive change within three to five days. With older children, it can take a little bit longer. Right. Another parent has been in touch with us to say... Is it normal for a child to go through a phase of nightmares and disrupted sleep or is it a sign of a bigger issue? 
No, it's it's quite normal. Um, I would generally start to see nightmares presenting in children from about two to three years of age. It can be a sign of a little bit of sleep debt, that they're just a little bit overtired and they need a greater sleep opportunity. So this can really start in the summertime because let's face it, we're out of routine. You know, kids are going to bed later. I'm normal in that. My children are going to bed way later than they would be term time. And then you will see that that little bit of, you know, loss of sleep opportunity can bring nightmares into the mix. And they can particularly happen kind of around the midnight stage. So usually before you go to bed, you might see it occur. And they can happen at the same time, a very regular time every night. So my go-to for that for parents is you probably need to put them to bed a little bit earlier But another thing that can happen alongside sleep deprivation and sleep disruption with older children is they need a little bit more iron in their diet. Iron and lower levels of it can often show as sleep disruption and sleep challenges. So up the iron opportunity as well, maybe through a supplement, but maybe do that in association with your GP. But you can do it simply within your diet, what your what your children are eating yourself within your own home. You can really focus in that good, healthy, homemade, solid meals will help right. with that. And what about kids who, and lots of kids are like this maybe, but you know, are particular balls of energy and they seem to, you know, wake up in the morning and they just go until they fall into bed at night and they still don't sleep. Yeah, I I have one like that. Uh, My youngest, Patrick, he would get out of bed and he would literally not stop until bedtime. He would not stop. Bedtime routine is key. You have to give the wind down opportunity. You know, turn off the television in the hour prior to the bedtime. And by bedtime, I mean that's lights out time. It's not the time that you start to put them to bed. It's when you're turning out the light. So if your bedtime is 8 p.m., no screens in the hour prior and switch to maybe calmer activities. Kicking the football outside is not a calmer activity. So switch to maybe, you know, some kind of like non-crazy board game. Maybe it's jigsaw puzzles. Maybe it's colouring. If you are have a child that is very high energy, then switching to those activities is a key one. So like today is Book Lovers Day. So even just focusing in on a little extra book at wind down time for bedtime will help maybe to calm the nervous system and calm them down before they head into that sleep opportunity that you're giving them. And it might see them produce more consolidated sleep Mm. as a result. The thing is, there are people who into their adulthood, maybe their whole lives are not great sleepers. Isn't that true? Yeah, definitely. Um, people have lower sleep needs and higher sleep needs. So I'm I'm a higher sleep needs person and my husband is a lower sleep needs person. So lots of people will do really well on lower levels of sleep. So, you know, maybe for an adult, we'd aim for seven to eight hours, but lots of people are great on five to six, you know. So you've got to go by how you feel. So when it comes to child, baby and toddler sleep, I go with ranges. So you want to try and see maybe your child within a 10 to 12 hour range of sleep overnight. So there's a big difference between a 10 hour sleeper and a 12 hour sleeper. 
So you've got to get to know what your child's needs are. And this is something I look at closely when I work with families of older children. What's the need they are showing us here? You know, we have to look to them to show us versus trying to make them into something that they maybe won't ever be. They might always be lower sleep needs. Yeah. And in all your research, Erica, you know, what's the thing that has surprised you most on this subject? Oh, God, that's a very broad question. Um, I think what has maybe surprised me and frustrated me the most is the lack of information that is provided to parents when they have their children about sleep. We get lots and lots of information, obviously, about baby care. That's really important. Lots of information about feeding, really important. But sleep is massive. It is one of the most important pillars of health. It underpins our overall health. And we are out into this world with very little information about it. And I think if our if the HSE stepped up with even more information about it, we would see less and less parents struggling and less and less kids struggling too. Mm. It's also maybe not surprising at all. It depends on the circumstances and the sleep deprivation of parents. But you will talk to quite a few parents and you will ask them to recall you know, the first couple of years of their first child, for example. And they honestly struggle to remember it, don't they? Yeah, but that's the sleep fog due to sleep deprivation. When you're not sleeping, you're not functioning at your best and and your brain function will be, you know, impaired to a level. So, you know, anybody who is functioning on a lower level of sleep will have less of a reaction time. Their recall won't be as good. Their memories won't be embedded. So therefore, you won't recall. Like, I don't recall an awful lot about my child's first, my first child's seven to eight months because that time for me was extreme sleep deprivation. He's 14 now, so I'm not experiencing that now. But... I don't recall an awful lot. It was a fog. So if somebody has got that level of sleep deprivation and it's the change with becoming a parent, it's a huge, massive change. And as much as we might read up on it and try and prepare ourselves for it, you won't be prepared for it until you're living it. You won't know what's involved until you're living it. And again, part part of the problem here is that people will talk about the many, many positives, won't they, of parenting, and uh, but they won't often talk as much about the fact that it tests every parent, frankly, to the limit. It does, it does. And I think, though, we do want to talk positively about our children and talk positively about our parenting experiences. But again, going back to my point earlier, I do think parents are getting the forum now to be okay to vent to be okay to talk about how it's challenging with other maybe parents that they feel safe with. It is challenging. Like I'm heading into the teenage stage. It's challenging in in a totally different way than, you know, the baby and toddler stage was. Every stage of parenting brings newness and that newness is change and it'll take us time to adjust to it. And finally, Erica, for now and topically, I think you touched on this a few minutes ago, 
obviously trying to get back into an appropriate sleep routine as you head back towards normal work patterns, school, preschool, all of that. That's going to be high on the agenda in a lot of homes at the moment. Absolutely. I'm going to start covering this on my social media over the next week. And if if parents just take this one tip for me, if your bedtime has gotten later than you would like it in term time, about maybe 10 days or even a week out from when they're heading back to school, start reversing the bedtime by 15 minutes every few days. Don't go straight to the term time bedtime. It'll be too much of a shock and the child won't have time to adjust they need time for their body clock to adjust. So just reverse it. So at the minute, let's say if it's 10 o'clock and you want it at half eight, start reversing it by 15 minutes every three days and you'll get back to that half eight time with less fraughtness than if you jump to it the day before they go back to school. Okay. And just remind uh, listeners about your social media um, because I'm sure they'll want to know more. Yeah, so Instagram is my best social channel. So it's babog underscore sleep. Um, take a look at that. We have a great YouTube channel as well. If video is kind of what you like to digest and loads of blogs on babog.com as well. So loads of information out there. Great. Fantastic advice this morning. Thank you very much for your time. That's Erica Hargaden there from Babog Sleep. Hope that was of help to you. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.